Thanks for listening to the podcast. We hope you enjoy it. The show notes are included in the summary for each episode. Notes can be accessed from the Mobile Marketing Podcast link at the top and bottom of the dominoresearch.com website. If you like the podcast, please take a moment to help us out. Rate and review us on your preferred medium. We are currently available on iTunes, Google Play Podcast, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. Thank you. Hey there, and welcome to the latest episode of Mobile Wallet Marketing Made Easy, the podcast that helps you navigate the ever-changing landscape of mobile marketing. Today, we're talking about the after effects of the coronavirus pandemic and what we might do going forward as small business owners to get back on our feet and start seeing improvements. I'm pretty sure that you, just like me, are sick and tired of talking about the situation tired of dealing with it, and really tired of seeing its effects on everyone, no matter what you believe the correct policies are or should have been. We're not here to debate the policies, quite the opposite. We want to talk about what can be done going forward to try to enable as much recovery as quickly as possible and to talk about positive solutions and options that can be part of your recovery plan. That's right, and I'm Hazel Fruitman. I'm Kim Stewart. And we want to welcome you to another episode of the podcast. Yay. <laughs> Yay, we're here. Yes, it's another one. We've been at this for a few weeks now. Um, you know, business is, is slowly opening up here in Toronto. Um, you know, just guidelines have come down on what retail can open for our phase one. So that's retail, landscapers, nurseries can open, which was a couple of weeks ago already, um, just because of the season. Um, you know, we had a last podcast episode, we talked about restaurants. Restaurants are still not open here. Oh my God. It's crazy. After we recorded that episode, all of a sudden, every time I turned around on every social media or in the news, it was like a revolt against delivery apps and it's crazy. Yes. Yeah. In fact, in Toronto, we had, uh, last week there was a boat, uh, boycott, the delivery apps day. Wow. That's yeah. Cool. Anyway, the, our city, Toronto, is uh, working with restaurants to set up online menu platform for minimal menus and uh, to help them hire local delivery workers in the area. And you know what? I think that's great. That's something yeah. positive. Rather yeah. than saying, oh my gosh, we can't do anything about this. Oh my gosh, we're just going to let people fail. Yeah, the right. fact that it's it's how can we help people? What can we do to get things moving forward? I think we totally yeah. we have to do that. I mean, we, we have to. I mean, of course, you know, some restaurants have fallen short and they're not going to reopen, unfortunately. But it's going to be somewhere between twenty five and fifty percent of restaurants are not going to reopen. It's really sad. I mean, every day it's like a new list of this one's closed for good, that one's closed for good. Um, yeah. I'm getting that here too. I think the part that really aggravates me is that here we are in this point and you know, like a restaurant chain in San Francisco announced over the weekend that they were done. And people are just like, oh wow, how did that happen? How can that be? And I just like sit and want to bang my head against the wall because it's obvious how that can be. You know, one of the craziest things when I opened up my emails this morning, um, as you probably already know, you know, Arizona is 
well into the process of reopening. And so far, things are going really well. We'll see what happens. But uh, mm -hmm. I read an article about how a platform called Farfetch, it's a luxury goods platform. And they have not only not seen a decline in sales, they've seen a 90% jump in sales. And while I'm happy for them, Okay, I'm happy for any business that's still in business. This is a luxury platform, and for them to have a 90% increase in sales is nuts. I mean, their average order is $601 in the pr previous quarter. Now it's down to $571. But the number of active users jumped from 1.7 to 2.1 million. And, you know, mm -hmm. the big thing that I see in this is the people who are in a good spot, the haves, the people who are able to sit home and order Instacart and they don't have to go to office jobs or retail jobs or work at the grocery store. Mm -hmm. um, these people aren't really affected at this point. Right. right? If you right. want to buy an $845 pair of tennis shoes and Farfetch is your place to go and order. Right. And that's just, uh, you know, it's the haves and the have nots, right? Um, you know, I'm not really surprised that, you know, this luxury fashion retailer is doing well. Um, you know, but at the same end, we have um, another retailer, Neiman Marcus, that filed for bankruptcy. Yeah, you know, I've referred to them lovingly as needless markup for at least 30 years now. <laughs> <laughs> Well, was that the joke? I had no idea that was like... Yeah, that's the name for the... You know how like you call Whole Foods Whole Paycheck? Well, Neiman Marcus yeah. is needless markup. And, you know, it's it's just, it's... Yeah. It is what it is. Yeah, I mean, here, I mean, it, just to split the difference, I mean, I see, you know, we're heading into spring and all these kids are just, they are growing. And, you know... <laughs> Every parent needs new clothes, so I see lots of, you know, clothes being swapped from porch to porch. Yeah, <laughs> you know what? That's food, a great you know? thing. I mean, it's going to have to be community-driven, and, yes, you know, one of the biggest things that I, I think is that communities are going to have to decide what works in individual places, and they're going to have to go with that. I mean, we don't have a one-size-fits-all solution because what we don't have is a one-size-fits-all situation. Um, right. You know, I read another article this morning about some people who had decided to, back in March, before New York State, I believe it was, closed down, that they have a second home Oh, no, it wasn't. It was in England. They have a second home in Cornwall, which is on the English coast. And mm -hmm. they went to their second home the day before the UK announced their initial lockdowns. And while this was prohibited by the UK, you weren't supposed to do this. They did it. And they've been hanging out, hiding out in Cornwall this whole entire time. And they have these groups on social media of other people who are like them who are fortunate enough to have second homes in places where 
the population density isn't so big or the spread of the virus wasn't so great. And these people have all their little groups where they go and they post all their little pictures about, oh yes, we're in Cornwall or we're in the Hamptons or we're in our cabin or what do you guys call them, uh, cottages? Oh, Stuff yeah. like that, where people just went and made their own decisions and they did this and you know what, whatever. I mean, it's... it's we had a very similar situation here, you know, with the with spring now, and uh, a lot of people want to go up to their cottages in Muskoka, their second homes, and really, we're the you know everyone's begging them, don't go. We're happy to have you later on, but we can't handle anything right now. <laughs> these are the mayors of these small towns saying that. So some are going. You know, it's the long weekend this weekend. <laughs> That is actually, that is a funny thing. We are recording this on Victoria Day. So it's like your spring long weekend and ours is next weekend. And yeah, you know, a lot of places are going to have open beaches, but you're not going to be able to swim and you're not going to be able to sit down. And it's just, it's all really weird. Yeah. Um, At some point, a new normal will take over. But in the meantime, uh, before we get really into what we want to actually talk about today, which is going forward and how small businesses can use the platform to perhaps start to regain some sense of normalcy, let's take a few minutes and have you do a quick walkthrough of how the platform works. You up for that? Sure, I'm happy to do that. Awesome. Mobile wallet campaigns are incredibly effective marketing collateral when you set them up correctly and implement them in a way that increases engagement with customers, prospects, referrals, and so on. In a nutshell, a mobile wallet campaigns consists of a mobile wallet pass that's added to individual phones. iPhones use Apple Wallet, which is native iOS application, and Android phones use any of a number of third-party apps to achieve the same goals. The pass has two sides, the front and the back. The front of the pass is like a digital calling card. It normally has the name of your product or business, perhaps a tagline or logo, and should be styled to complement your existing logo and collateral. We can include a QR code and a barcode on the front of the pass if you're interested in tracking users via the passes, Although the tracking default does not contain any personal information unless we have created a customized solution for you. The front of the pass should be designed to get someone's attention, colorful maybe, or with a unique tagline or similar. It requires a very simple clean design since most phone screens are not that big. The back of the pass is where the magic happens, as I like to call it. And this is the area of the pass where you're really going to be able to get your message out there and include some very efficient calls to action that result in quantifiable results. The structure of the mobile wallet pass means that everything on the back that is formatted in a way that the phone recognizes, like a phone number, an address, a URL, a link to iTunes or YouTube and so on. Those apps are actually launched when the user taps a link on the back of the pass. What that means in real terms is that if you're promoting your podcast, you can send your subscribers a lock screen notification and they have the ability to tap the back links and your podcast will start playing in the correct app, iTunes, Spreaker, Stitcher, or whatever. 
It also means that if you're a realtor, for instance, and you include the address of a property you're promoting, a prospective buyer can tap the address on the back of the pass, launch maps, complete with driving directions. Tap to call, tap to email, tap to launch social media apps like Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, and others. These are simply handled by the wallet app and there's no coding or formatting involved. It really couldn't be any easier. Passes can be shared through a variety of means. The most popular method is including the pass URL as a link or in a print ad as a type in request using a browser. Other ways include the share function on the pass, having someone open Apple Wallet or scan the QR code directly, or even sending the pass via iMessages or email from the phone. Last but not least, the passes include location and proximity targeting features, which means that using the geofencing and location awareness that's built into smartphone offers, you have the ability to send lock screen notifications based on where someone is, as well as sending them time-based or what we like to call static messages. You've probably seen this at the airport if you're having a boarding pass in your Apple wallet on iPhone, for instance. When you get close to the security screening checkpoint, the boarding pass automatically pops up on your lock screen and you don't have to search for it or open the app or unlock the phone to see it. So there you have it, the two minute rundown on just what and how a mobile pass works, where it goes in the iPhone and what it can do. Excellent. Now that we have that out of the way, let's take a few minutes and talk some more about what's possibly on the horizon for businesses, both in the short term and sort of the longer term. Sure. Uh, we should break it down uh, maybe by type or category. Obviously, what's happening with a restaurant isn't really going to be the same thing as what happens to an event planner or a realtor or even a retail store, um, at least not to the same degree. I think that is a great idea. Maybe we'll divide this up into a few categories and work our way out of the corners, so to speak. Yeah. So maybe I'm thinking a uh, service industry, which would be bars, restaurants, salons, you know, pretty much anyone who is providing services that are normally done in close proximity to others. Uh, retailers, that would be another category. Realtors, and then uh, we can touch lightly on event planners at the end, but I, I don't even know where we'll go with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we could probably do an entire episode on what maybe is going to happen with events and event planners, but I don't know that we are going to be ready to do that just yet. <laughs> totally agree with you. I mean, as you know, I am very much in favor of opening things back up, but I'm still not at a point where I'm ready to go to a concert or walk a busy trade show floor yet. You know, I want to see some more numbers from states and countries that are opening up, for lack of a better term, and then, you know, I'll be contemplating my opinions and my options after we have a clearer picture. All right, so let's start with the service industry. Uh, let's present two or three ways that the platform can help in each of these industries more than that, and we'll be here all day. <laughs> <If that works. laughs> okay, that works. Uh, why don't you go first? Okay, so up in Ontario, services as hair salons or even sitting down in a restaurant are not opening yet. Um, 
But the way that our platform can work uh, is to keep customers updated with the latest information, provide them with uh, bonus content, let's say recipes. Uh, if you're a restaurant or if you're a hair salon, you can do like a how-to, uh, do a haircut at home. <laughs> I got a haircut at home. It's not pretty. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I've been doing uh, that with my dog. He's always a work in progress. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, Mike got a haircut uh, last week. Are they, of course, everything's open there, right? Yeah, I mean, well, so he got a haircut last week, but it was a different kind of a system. Um, you had to check in remotely for the appointment, and then when it was your time, you had X amount of minutes to actually get to the door to be let in. Otherwise, your appointment was forfeited, and they went on to the next person. So it was, it, it's really, it's like a customer notification system. So... Okay. I think that in addition to sort of saying, okay, how can you use the platform for notifications? There are also some other people like uh, one of my friends, David, is a massage therapist and the location where he used to work, I guess maybe he still kind of works there, uh, even though they're not open, is... Uh, it's a situation where I, I really, I don't even have the vaguest idea how they're going to get those sort of people back to work, but he started doing a lot of stuff online. Mm -hmm. So if you're trying to transition your business into online where maybe you're doing like classes over zoom, you yeah. can use the platform to send out your lock screen notifications just prior to the class starting. And then you've got right there, the call to action on that one would be a tap here to launch the zoom window. Right. If you're doing it on mobile, um, if you're not doing it on mobile, then you would at least know, okay, it's time to fire up the computer and do your morning stretch class. So that's another one I can think of for service providers right now, depending on how things have been set up previously or how you want to set stuff up going forward with your cohorts, groups, and how you want to use notifications. Yeah, all right, that's pretty good for preliminary ideas for the service industry. So let's move on to retailers. Since I'm first, I think uh, some retailers are starting to open up and not just for curbside pickup like they do here. Um, many of these retailers want to get themselves back out there and, you know, there's stricter hours. You can't be open till like 10, 11 o'clock at night like you used to be. Do, are, are you able to, in Phoenix, be open late? Well, I don't know necessarily about being open late. Um, but I will tell you that on Saturday, which we normally do not go out and shop on Saturdays, mostly because of the, actually Mike and I almost never go anywhere together either because it just, if you can only have so many people inside your physical location and we don't need two of us to get groceries or two of us to go to the Home Depot or whatever, God, I am so tired of shopping at Home Depot. Um, <laughs> But so, so we try to not go out together unless there's like a reason that we need to. So anyway, on Saturday, I, we went for a, well, let's see, what did we do Saturday? We had a nail in the truck tire, but it wasn't leaking air. And we decided that we were going to go and ride our bicycles. So we loaded up and went to Scottsdale because there's a tire store that does free repairs because it's where we got our tires up there near a bike path that we really like. So we dropped off the truck 
didn't go in. The guy came out, had his little notebook, all this, that, the other, got our, you know, the phone number to text us when it was ready. We took our bikes and we went to ride our bikes. So we rode. Then we stopped at the farmer's market on the way back because the larger farmer's markets are still open, even though the smaller ones haven't opened back up yet. Um, some of the large ones never even closed down. They have really good procedures in place. And so if I was a farmer's market stall, I would in the exact same way that one of our favorite customers seasonally, gosh, yeah. we'll see how it goes with her. But anyway, you know, you can send out, we have this, here's the procedures, this, that, and the other for that type of retail. And so we did also go to Lamps Plus mm -hmm. and we went to a consignment store and we went to, oh, we went to the dollar store, but that was a completely unrelated situation. And the reason that we went to the Lamps Plus was because we went to the dollar store on our way home. We hadn't gone anywhere else but the bike ride and the farmer's market at that point. And then I had to go back out and get something else and they were doing some freeway work. So I missed the whole of it and had to drive like way out of my way to get to where I was going. And I noticed that the Lamps Plus looked like it was open. So I called them up and they were open. So we went in and the chair we wanted, Mike's office chair, seriously, they sold the last one to somebody else that morning. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, I don't know about hours of operation and things like that. And I think those are going to be subject to change because if you have nobody coming into your business after six o'clock in the evening, then why do you pay somebody to be there? So this is like a fluid ongoing thing. You just took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Many retailers, you don't know if they're open or not and they want to get themselves back out there into the community and let them know their store hours. Things get closed early here. Um, you know, Toronto's dead in the evenings at night now. So opening a mobile channel is a fluid way to let people know of your changing hours. Um, changing policies, is it masks, is it no masks, is it, you know, you have to sign up to come in. I mean, all these things are important. That's right. That's right. And you can put all that as part of your mobile channel. Uh, think of it as, let's say, a digital business card. Well, it's funny that you mentioned the word digital business card because that actually wasn't something I had thought about until right now, but business cards by and large are in my way of looking at it, physical paper business cards are germ spreaders. Yeah. Yeah, they are. No bueno anymore. Okay, so why would you want to go and get, 500 germ spreaders printed and hand out your germs to people who probably don't want your germs. Why you wouldn't be doing a digital business card. Um, you know, one of the other things that we have really started doing a lot is using our mobile wallets even more than before to pay for stuff. Yeah. You know, when you're at the grocery store and you don't want to touch something, the easiest way not to touch it is to be able to wave your phone over the payment. Yeah. You know, it's like tap to pay has always been in uh, Canada, you know, is, is big on tap to pay and it hasn't been that big of a thing here. But one weird thing that happens in Canada is that even with tap to pay, you still have to physically put your pin number in. 
maybe well not not with me like if, not with me but maybe if it's a foreign card our business know. cards our business credit cards we still have to do pin numbers oh yeah we do yeah you're right because i use my, my personal credit card i don't have to but yes yeah, yeah so that's what i'm saying is like that that's gonna be a weird point and i think what needs to happen is that Apple and Google and Samsung and all the other mobile wallets yes. need to make an alteration in their process to where instead of actually doing the tap to pay and then having to physically enter your pin on the machine, there should be some other, like if it's mobile and you're doing it on a phone, why can't Apple pay Apple wallet just throw up a second screen for me because you know like I've used my thumb to activate the payment yep. and if it's a debit card that requires a pin why can't it actually require the pin through the phone instead of through the verifone machine that's excellent that really yeah it does help <laughs> I mean I, I do I think that that would be a, a really and that would be a big thing. I mean, so many people use mobile as it is. I mean, it wouldn't be that hard to get people out of the habit of sticking their card up and just sticking their phone up. And then nobody's touching anything. I mean, it was funny when we got the chair, we ordered the chair, the Lamps Plus is not using their machines for swipe or for chip. Instead, mm -hmm. you hand the card to the person and the person types the card number in. They key it in. They key it in. <laughs> so, yeah, well, here's what happens with keying it in. Number one, now the person who is standing behind the counter wearing gloves that they're not changing between changing, people, yeah. Yeah. now she's touching my card. That's she right. types my card in. And because the systems aren't sorted out to manage the whole thing properly now the system kicks over a text to me and wants to know if it's a valid transaction i see because it was a typed in transaction with no cvv code typed in because their machines aren't prepped to be able to do that so i mean it's just this is throwing all of banking and payments completely out of whack and it's not only that but it's time consuming per transaction and she's touching my card with the gloved hands that she's and touched everybody else's stuff with. Yeah, it's like you'd have to like dip it into hand sanitizer and give it back to you. <laughs> yeah, see, it's like unintended consequences. Yes, I understand they don't want people putting their hands all over stuff. But at the same time, you're simply changing the germ spread from one way to another. It's, it's this is all, you know, it's mind boggling. Yeah, um, it's going to be really difficult, I think, for so many businesses to get back into probability, into profitability. Yeah, I mean yeah. it's mind-boggling. I read some more bad news over the weekend. God, it seems like it's only bad news, yeah, and yeah. it seems that some of the large malls may end up having to close. Um, they're losing anchor tenants, you know, JCPenney filed for bankruptcy worldwide over the weekend. You know, this is crazy. I mean, most of the malls are open, are owned by just a few big conglomerates like Simon and Westfield and companies like that. And 
they own properties in the US, in Canada, in Australia, in Asia. You know, Simon and Westfield are two of the biggest ones, and they have properties all over the world. Uh, yeah, the big one here, at least in Toronto, is called Cadillac Fairview. They own a lot of the malls around here, and they're all closed up. You know, it's only retail that have storefronts that are starting to open and that still have to follow strict guidelines. Uh, like limiting amount of people inside, having them go, you know, follow the arrows, <laughs> um, you know, making sure there's uh, someone at the doors, that there's enough PPE to go around. Um, you know, they're putting down, you know, those acrylic panels everywhere. Yeah, those are fine. I don't have a problem with that. Yeah. So, you know, it's going to change the way that we schmire around through uh, HomeSense. <laughs> Ours is opening on Thursday. Oh, is it? Ours isn't opening until June. They haven't received their PPE. Well, we, they had their lights on on Saturday, and we were driving by, so we, we were like, oh, let's just see what the deal is. And so they have some employees in there doing whatever they're doing. They're going to open on Thursday. Uh, strangely enough, the reason that I need to go there or I want to go there is I buy all of my really good-smelling hand soap the liquid hand soap in there and so I'm starting to get to the point where we're running out like mm -hmm. I don't have the lemon or the grapefruit kind that I like in the kitchen I'm having to use the rosemary from the guest bathroom because obviously nobody's using our guest bathroom right now <laughs> but it's not the same because you want that different scent I do I want my kitchen scent back please yeah, yeah. and I know like I'm running like I was noticing I'm like and running out of like, you know, cream, body lotion. I'm like, well, I need HomeSense to open again. <laughs> yeah, well, that was like, we wanted to drop off Nespresso capsules and Sur La Table wasn't open yet. So we either have to go throw them in a UPS drop box, which is kind of a pain in the butt, or just keep storing them in the garage until they open back up. Right, right. Um, yeah, so, you know, we're waiting for HomeSense to open. Everything's going to change. You know, things are canceled left and right around here. Camps, summer festivals. Well, I mean, that's really all there is to do is to stay home. <sighs> okay, let's uh, move on then. Uh, so next, let's talk about the realtors. And this time it's going to be my turn to go first. Okay. I think the primary thing for realtors is going to be using the platform, not just for notifications, but they can also use it for managing traffic flow. And what do you mean by traffic flow? Okay, well, I'm going to give you my theory. My theory could be completely wrong. Um, I read a Zillow report over the weekend where some Zillow economist is claiming that the housing market has bottomed already and that it's going to start going back up. Okay, well, we know that that's not, yeah, we know that that's bullshit. That mm. cannot be true because the number of mortgage holders who have had to skip payments in the U.S. and other countries where they have traditional mortgages is through the roof and has actually increased since the start of this, which would have been the April payment, May is looking even more depressing. Yes. Um, I'm very grateful that we're in a fortunate position that as long as we don't see rampant inflation and bread doesn't cost $30 a loaf, that we can still afford to pay our mortgage. I know you have a tenant in one of your properties and uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's tough for all of us. Yeah, I mean, I just, I don't think that things are going to be sunshine and roses. I mean, I think that without going into all of the gory details, 
I think there's going to be a real slump in the housing market and brokers and agents are going to have to become incredibly creative with both their messaging and their marketing. Oh, what do you mean? Well, I think that agents and brokers, this kind of goes back to your digital business card philosophy, are mm -hmm. going to need to find as many ways to reach out to both prospective buyers and prospective sellers as possible. You know, the last thing that we need anywhere, not just the U.S. or North America or Europe, is to get into another situation where potential sellers find it easier to just walk away from their loans instead of attempting to sell their houses. And, you know, one thing that our platform certainly does is makes communication in both directions that much easier. Yes, right. As soon as you see a lock screen notification, you can respond with a single tap. Uh, email, phone call, whatever response the call to action is looking for. So we are talking about making it easier for property owners to decide who to use to list. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a double whammy. If it's going to be, let me just put myself hypothetically into a situation where I was unemployed and or laid off or whatever and now my company no longer exists and i'm not going to be able to go back to work i have to find another job and the job i find doesn't pay as well and now i'm concerned that i'm not going to be able to make my mortgage payments and i'm going to end up losing my house well i need to start early i need to try to sell my house while i still have equity in it while there's still value in it before i go upside down and i'm gonna need a really good agent or a broker to handle the transaction for me. I need it done top dollar as quickly as possible. You know, whatever that is going to turn out to be, I need that and I need to be able to communicate quickly. So, you know, yeah, whatever that might be. Yeah, no, I got you. I think that's the other thing that re realtors may be doing with the platform is using the mobile channel to inform during an open house. Uh, let's say, um, you know, it's contactless, as you were saying, it works with, you know, the way that the, the new normal will be working. Let's say an eye beacon is small, fits into your hand, it can be placed around like the finishes throughout the home. So that when there's a physically distancing open houses, it takes the pressure off the agent. So you let prospects that will be notified as they move throughout the house of the different finishes. Right. So I think that's an excellent suggestion. And I think that, you know, you could literally have, I don't think the traditional open house that we have seen in the past where, you know, a hundred people walk through a house in an afternoon. I, I don't see that happening. Right. I, I think there would be a lot of by appointments. Yeah, I think it is going to be a situation where, okay, we're going to have an open house and it's going to be from noon till four on Sunday. And your time that you're going to be going in is going to, it, it would be almost like using the boarding cards option that the mobile wallet can do is like you would be assigning people a time that they needed to get there. They were allowed 15 minutes or whatever. And so you would then be able to leverage, okay, 15 minutes from now, it's going to be your time to enter because obviously the realtor is going to have to have, at least in the beginning, in my mind, some sort of a cleaning disinfecting crew who would go through in between viewers 
So there's going to be some pre-qualifications that are going to be necessary before you're even allowed to go to an open house. And you know what I say this when I look at this from like the worst case scenario? Mm -hmm. um, I don't know that it'll come to that. I, and I think that probably between now and the fall, we're going to see a lot of things just go back to where they were before. Um, if the numbers hold in places that are, you know, like we have, we have one state here in the United States that will have been open for a solid month this week, four weeks. Okay. And right now their numbers still look really good. If their numbers stay really good, then that would kind of be an indication that maybe we're past this. I don't know. Um, like you said, every region is different. Every region is going to be different, but at the end of the day, nobody's going to be able to support unemployed people at the level that we could be looking at if we don't get things back on track. I don't care what country you are. You can't print that much money. I mean, if you're in the EU, you don't even get to print your own money. You have to use the euro. <laughs> so, yeah, problem there. I mean, there's, there's going to be a lot of problems. But anyway, we look at, at least for this particular episode, we're looking at how are you a small business person? Don't get depressed. Start thinking about ways that you can do things differently right now and start generating some buzz and some excitement. Um, I guess last but not least, let's talk about events and event management and planning. I am going to throw this one in your lap because I don't even know where to start. Okay. Um, you know, I'm sure our listeners have now realized that, you know, major events, festivals, any gatherings of any sort are put on hold. Um, you know, even many high schoolers who are graduating are having the graduations done be being done virtually, you know, the Zoom graduations. Um, and I also see some like virtual trade shows starting to, uh, to happen. Uh, like uh, Collision Conference is now going virtual. It's happening in June. And I actually went through their schedule and I looked at their tracks and their tracks have now turned into channels. And that got me thinking that each channel can be easily integrated into our platform with having a mobile channel. And it gives the notifications of the seminars direct to the attendee. I absolutely agree with that. I think that is a really good idea. Um, I think that it's going to require a lot of creativity on the part of people who are attempting to stay in the conference and trade show business. I, I think there are so many potentials for using the platform for something like that, that, you know, we, we said earlier that maybe we should consider doing an episode all about that. I think that's probably a really, really good idea because there, there's a lot of innovative ideas and things that could be utilized through the platform to help drive attendance, drive traffic, get attendees to actually show up because I know that I have gotten into the habit just like I do with webinars 
of, oh, I'll sign up for this virtual conference because they're almost all free. I mean, to be an attendee, basically they're all free right now. And then I'm like, I go and I look at the first five minutes and it's like you said, you know, there's no direction to it. People don't actually know what they're doing or how to manage it. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Yes, that's right. <laughs> you know, how do you translate that offline environment into some sort of an online product? Well, it's not as easy as what people think. You don't just throw up a Zoom and be like, okay, let's go. Right. Right. It's, it's uh, you have, we have, you have to rethink how the event is going to work for it to be successful, successful. So there's being value brought to these attendees. Yep. Um, so yeah, I think we should do some research into what we think are going to be workable options for our event planners and our conference people and our trade show people. And let's just do an episode about that. That's a really good idea. Yeah. Um, so these are some solid suggestions. I think they can be applied no matter what kind of situation you find yourself in or what state or country or location that you're trying to do business in. Um, it's, it's really, it's just a matter of figuring out how to get your customer base or your prospective customer base to respond within the parameters that exist in your location. Yeah, excellent point. Our platform is set up to make sense during the pandemic, making it easier for patrons to want to shop at your storefront uh, because you are giving the messaging of, let's say, wait times, product availability, um, you know, what kind of PPE, you'll need to bring with you if at all you know it, it also promotes what we're calling hashtag distance marketing yeah i mean that's so true um i think that you know i kind of look at this going forward it seems to me that every single business should be looking at how to implement mobile and distance marketing um I sincerely hope that we don't have any more issues with this, that, you know, there's either a cure or a vaccine or it just runs its course and goes away. Right. But if it's not this at a later date, then it's probably going to be something else, whether it's a natural disaster or a medical emergency or who knows, economic emergency. I mean, if you're a business owner and you are determined to stay in business, now is the time to start looking at every possible alternate method that you can find to keep a connection and to keep engagement with your customers. Um, if you're already using our platform and or if you're not and you're interested in our platform, you know, if you're looking for ways to try to make a go of this and to try to stay successful or be successful or overcome the issues, you know, we're an email or a message away. I mean, you can email us info at dominoresearch.com. There's a form on mobilewalletmarketer.com or on the cannabiswallet.net website. Yeah, we normally respond within one business day, even now. Heck, even now, <laughs> we are sometimes faster than that. Well, yeah, what are we out doing? Nothing. <laughs> I mean, you know, we're trying to do our best to do what we can to help people get back on their feet as quickly as possible. Um, I don't want to see any of our current or future customers not be in business. Um, you know, I'm hoping that we start seeing some form of new normal settling in as rapidly as possible. That's right. And if you have any questions or comments about our platform, we welcome those as well. Sure. Um, and I think with that, we'll just wrap it up 
and we'll see you in two weeks, perhaps with the event planners episode or perhaps with some other topic that is pertinent to where we're at right now. Yeah. Thanks for listening. <laughs>